gonna say? <clears throat> Yo, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the awesome.com NBA strategy show. Sunday morning edition here on the YouTubes presented by Underdog Fantasy. I'm Dave Lochran. If you're listening in podcast form, Lafayette underscore D on Twitter, L-O-U-G-H-Y underscore D. That's where I'm supposed to say podcast, but that's okay. It's the weekend. Joined by Eric Lindquist filling in for Josh Engelman today, which means he'll be doing one baseball show instead of two baseball shows. You get a little, you know, a, little a nice blend of Eric Lindquist on, on a Sunday afternoon. What's up? Bro? Well, 7 a.m. over there. What's up, bro? No, I get to do two MLB shows. I don't even have an MLB show today, which I'm, oh. you know, I, I'm, I'm okay with because I get to just build lineups the entire time, uh, kind of lead up to it there. Uh, I'll be doing the NBA live before lock, so breaking that one down again, but good to get a jump start on it this morning. Sweet. Well, we have 150 plus people watching already on a Sunday. So, I mean, there were the 150 waiting. I'm pretty, pretty happy about that. I'm happy to have uh, all of you guys with us as always. Hit that thumbs up if you haven't done so yet. I mean, I'll put it to you this way. You got 160 people watching right now on a Sunday, right? Before the show even starts. You guys are the type of people that, that buoy the numbers here, right? So, I mean, 50 thumbs up from you guys should be not only doable, but it should be a near certainty. So appreciate it in advance. I'm just a blank and we're there. And uh, hey, Subscribe to the channel, too, if you haven't done so yet. And if you want to, hit that join down below. Get the free Super Chats each month, the custom emojis, and my favorite, the sweet badges. You see our boy El Negro Loco, David Porter, iced up with the one-year badges. Oh, it looks good. I got one, too. Never to be denied. Oh, and we'll always prioritize your questions and comments along with our Discord chat. Or, I'm sorry, along with our premium, premium members in Discord. So you got two games today, man. And both game sevens, which is pretty exciting, right? The, the one that, like, Boston and Milwaukee is really interesting to me, but the Phoenix-Dallas one is almost more amusing because Luka Doncic has been absurd. Jason Kidd, I think, deserves a lot of credit for the adjustments he's made. But what about the fact that, like, recently they've just been rotating, they've just been trading blowouts depending on who's at home <laughs> or not? Yeah, it's one of those things where, what is it? In, in NFL, it's like two and a half points. In the NBA, it's like four points or three points. Uh, it's been like home court has been worth 40 points in the reverse section between games. It's 20 point blowouts in either direction. I don't think that's what we end up getting tonight. I think pretty much this is going to be two. Th these are going to be two competitive games. I, I see that the spreads are five, six and a half is kind of looking like the prevailing number for Maverick Suns, but I would be surprised if we didn't actually see competitive games this time around. Every game of the Bucks Celtics series has been mostly competitive, but Maverick Suns, I, I see this one being a little bit better than, than some of the previous iterations. It's been fun to watch some of these massive blowouts because Luka going nuts is enjoyable. Uh, Devin Booker uh, at home just being a monster. But uh, looking forward to it either way. Just think that uh, just think the Maverick Suns, it's impossible for them not to have like one competitive game coming out the stretch. Yeah, it, it's been fun watching both of these teams look way more dominant than the other. So, all right, uh, you know, you've done enough shows with me. I don't know how many NBA strategy shows you've done with me, but you, you understand how this works around here. We never can jump straight into the games. We always have to start yeah. with something odd, uh, a question for the audience, <laughs> a question for you. So Yosef Ramirez, what's up, brother? Just said, hope you sports are having a good Sunday morning. And why did he say that? I will tell you. Because yesterday, I, I'm assuming this is why. Otherwise, Joseph, highly insulting. Uh, Yosef, highly insulting. Uh, yes, last night, 
uh, you know, it was getting a little late and I had this one ready. It's just, there was a thought that came to me while I was at CVS the other day. Don't ask why that I'm going to start referring to people as sport and see how they respond. Right. Like you go somewhere, maybe even like my father, Hey sport, how you doing? All right. You know, you, you come up, you're at a grocery store and they, they help you with the, they, they appreciate your sport, something like that. My assumption is it won't go over particularly well. Um, how, how would you respond to be called sport by someone that's younger than you, maybe, you know, 20 years old or something like you hold the door from and they're like, Hey, thanks sport. And what is the one thing that you hate being called the most pal, buddy, you know, what boss, which one do you hate the most? All right. I'll start with the first part. Sport is absurd. I would imagine the person's like Benjamin <laughs> it's so Button. great though. Isn't it? Yeah. I'd imagine it was like Benjamin Button and they started in reverse. If they were younger than me and they're firing off a sport, I would assume they were born in 1935 and straight up Benjamin Button their way. We're insulting life. you. Yeah. That's hey sport. I mean, right. not even I say it, that. Sport. Yeah. yeah, that's that's ridiculous. And now the second part of it, what do I hate being called the most? I'll tell you what Rinpack being hates called the most because for seven years, for seven years, I've been calling him dude. He's my dude. I love my dude. Oh, I and call out the everybody of, dude. I call him dude. I, it's like my endearing thing. But like, it's only like my really close friends that I'll call my dude. Or, you know, it, it's just kind of become a tagline at the beginning of shows because I really do like all my coworkers. But out of the middle of nowhere, like halfway through doing another year of the Slate Starter podcast, out of the middle of nowhere live, he goes, Eric, Eric, stop. I hate being called dude. It's like it's the only thing I have called him for seven years of our friendship was What's dude. wrong with it. He hates it. He absolutely despises the word dude. He's just like, it, it just, you can do better. I was like, I can do better than dude. Dude is like my dude. Yeah. I don't use my dude, but I definitely use dude often, like frequently. Yes. Would he prefer pal? Hey pal. Like, all right, pal. What's what, what are we doing with the bucks? That seems even worse. Yeah, it's way worse. Uh, I, I, I can't imagine that I could be friends with somebody for that long and, and just, just eat the bullet, like just just continually let him call me the thing that I hate the most. Like what a what a sign of respect from Red Pat. I mean, he's he didn't want to make me feel bad for five and a half years until he six years until he decides to tell me that. That's outstanding because then it makes you seem like an asshole, even oh, yeah. though you're, you're not the one that is the actual asshole. Yeah, no, I, I become the asshole and he becomes like the greatest friend ever. So it's a, it, it wins for him, both sides of it. <laughs> Whatever. Do you know where bro, a lot of, a lot of people hating bro in the chat, bro. I, I've never really been a bro guy, maybe just cause I've always like been, man, I'm bigger now, but I was always like a skinny rail thin kind of guy. You know, just calling somebody else bro when you don't look like a, when you don't look like you're lifting on the daily. Not exactly, not exactly a word I would ever use. I use it. Not going to lie. Bro. Bro. Yeah. But like, bro. also you, if, you, if I'm talking and I'm like, bro, you're crazy. You know, something like that with my close friends. Yeah. I use it. I, I might hate it, but I use it. And I don't think it's insulting even a little bit. No, I, I'm just saying that it's not one that I would use in my vernacular. I'm just saying a lot of people hating bro there in the chat sport sport is just a no they're like through and through but there can't hilarious. be one situation where you, give me <laughs> right. one situation where no. sport comes across it never is like you're you're like a creepy old guy grooming somebody it's just like <laughs> not great
it never it never works there, there no. there's there is nothing about it that works although i will say uh on twitter uh eric bimefor said that maybe if you have an accent it works like if, if you have an english accent you know, like, i can't do one but like good day and it's in its spot in its spot and like oh, okay but, <laughs> but here's the thing you, you could probably get away use, with it, they always use in it well F, instead of isn't it they just use in it but you can get away with a lot when you have an accent on anything. Like I think Australian people use the C word pretty regularly in a pretty profound way from what I understand. Like it's a term of endearment. Wait, I'm serious. That's not a see joke. See you next Tuesday. Yeah. See you next Tuesday. Yeah. C word. I don't know. Huh. Put no, another strip on the body. See you next Tuesday is the you know, oh the, yeah yeah the see people what you did. use for, yes that one I don't, that, that one I'm willing to say a lot of things on on this stream that one I, I I will not I try and stay away from that one yeah I wasn't sure if you meant that or cuck no that no, was, no, we, that's we that's not safe. that's not a term of endearment <laughs> it's probably not <laughs> probably goes with the sport category where do not use right you're so right though there is no appropriate time to use sport and not be insulting and the yeah. worst part about those terms is that they're in this is this is what i think makes them so fascinating and then we're going to talk some basketball here but it's sunday morning sip some coffee has someone just said they ripped the gravity bond getting out of bed so welcome <laughs> however you want to do it it's you aggressive walked, yeah you walked into a good one uh the what makes i've always been so interested by this not like it's something i stew on but i when people get mad about it uh or i, I don't like reflect upon this but i thought about it yesterday the reason it's so great is because it's insulting, but you never actually know. 90%, 99% of the time, you don't actually know if the person's trying to insult you or they just think it's okay, right? Like they could be trying to insult you or they really aren't, but you're still insulted. And that's the best part. Yeah, there's, I can't imagine that in the year of our Lord 2022, that you're gonna say sport to somebody in any kind of a fun contextual like no, but what there's about no pal and chief and i what about some of those don't you think that's some of those go a little bit too far yeah so bud buddy i i think that there's like a depending on how you use it like bud i feel like oh it's kind of like the short abbreviation if you hey, say bud. buddy to somebody i think that that could actually come across with some negative connotation hey buddy like that yeah. seems a little strange too yeah not big on buddy yeah at all no if they're I like used... a kid you know if there's kids like if my neighbor's kids are outside playing I'm like what's up buddy that's different you know they're like 10 year olds throwing a football around that's that's different but if yeah. i came up to you and i say buddy hey i i, I wouldn't do that to you yeah that's not right no. anyway <laughs> i had to get your take on that. and we're I, I, well i i love the question don't use sport i, I think that's what we've learned here <laughs> don't use sport I can't wait till Jordan pops up tomorrow in, in, in Zoom and I'm gonna say, hey, morning sport. Morning sport. Hey, he'll take it. He'll take it. Oh, like he'll a good, eat it. yeah. Like a sure. good little boy. <laughs> yeah, he just totally will eat it. <laughs> All right. Uh, and by the way, we're almost at a hundred likes. So that's what I'm talking about, man. This Sunday crew is for Eric. The Sunday the NBA strategy show crew is for real. Yeah, the bedrock of awesome.com. Y'all are the real ones. Yep, yep. You are the cornerstone. There it the is. The foundation, the yes. bedrock. Yes. All of that. All of it. So get us to 100. 
Thanks. All right, Milwaukee, Boston. Let's do this. The Milwaukee Bucks coming into Boston, and this series has been fun too because the the Bucks um, have the Bucks been dogs in every game. I think so because they've been like one point dogs at home routinely. Yeah, it feels one, like one it, and a right? half point. Yeah, so I think they may true. have been a one point favorite in one. I can't remember in one home game, but but on the road they're they're five to six and a half point dogs. This one's at five now. Uh, what was it? At? Yeah. It's, okay. So they're five point dogs. A couple games. They were six, I think. So yeah, two Oh six total, very low total here. Chris Middleton remains out. Yeah. And Oh, uh, let me set it up for you this way, just to make our lives a little bit easier. This is the first slate on, this is the first time throughout this entire series or throughout, I'm sorry, all of the conference semifinal games that we've had Giannis and Luca on the same slate. So I'm almost positive, right? Because it was always yep. Dallas, Phoenix, Philly, and and Miami, and then Golden State, Memphis, or, or the other way around. But I'm I'm almost positive we haven't seen this before. So how do we work this? Like, which one of these guys do we prefer more than the other? Both of them in Game Sevens tonight. Yeah, we we had been seeing Memphis, and so you get the Memphis value, and being able to play Giannis was like a virtual certainty. That was kind of the first thing that really stood out to me today is where do you start with Giannis? How, how much value do you have? Where is the value? Which teams? Does any of it exist? And it really doesn't. The guys who project out the best point per dollar are Giannis, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Drew Holiday, all according to our projections. And I think that that's fair. Uh, but it's going to be very difficult to play a 65% allotment of Giannis. If the field does that, I think that's probably the wrong way to go about it now. He puts up 80 fantasy points, you're going to need him. How about that? How about that for some analysis? But for the most part, <laughs> there's no way that if you don't get Robert Williams there at 4,800, if he decides to end up sitting here tonight, and if you don't have some kind of crazy amount of confidence in Mikel Bridges now down to 5,500 on DK, it's just so hard to find paths to get to Giannis because the value also exists at like the small forward power forward position uh, in terms of guys that are cheaper in that 5K range that you actually feel comfortable rostering. So, yeah, Giannis has been incredible. He's probably going to be incredible today. That's just kind of a, what he is. But I think 12K on DraftKings without Memphis value is a very, very different conversation than any other slate we've had with him so far. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, as far as Drew goes, last game was underwhelming. Uh, I've been, I had been hitting the over points, rebounds and assist props on him pretty frequently. And he's been pulling through for us. Uh, did not come through last game, but he still played 42 minutes. He just, yeah. the rebounds weren't there. It happens. You know, the assists weren't there. It happens, but you're getting 42 minutes from this guy. He's attempting a ton of threes. That was the first game in the series that he attempted less than 20 field goals. I, everything about Drew right now, just from a volume standpoint, I, it's it's if you look at usage, if you look at assist rate or potential assists, however you want to do, it, you could even look at a rebound rate, not so much, but he's still rebounding above average for a guard in this series, hands down. But if you look at just usage and you look at minutes or usage and assists, it's Giannis and then Drew and then nobody else on this team. That's it. Yeah. I mean, is that surprising? No. But I think, it, I think it makes Holiday a, a, a high upside guy when his shot actually starts to fall. Yeah, he's, he's a guy that on the last slate was pretty unavoidable for me. The other thing we have to talk about when you discuss Drew Holiday is just the stocks upside. I mean, it, yeah, it was still defense. a fantasy allotment that's buoyed by five stocks 
in the last game out. He had three in the previous game, two of which just being absurd at the end of that game. He had three steals in, in game, what was that, game five, four stocks in game three. I mean, it's just a ridiculous amount of, of productivity on the defensive end you get from Drew Holiday. It was a lot more fun when he was 7,900 last slate because, you know, even at 36 and a half fantasy points there on DraftKings, he didn't completely bury you. But now back up to 8,200 on a tighter slate with less value. He's really kind of a, a difficult piece to, to really prioritize over the likes of Giannis simply because of the raw points and Luka Doncic being at the point guard position from a raw points perspective. I mean, it's just, it's such a different slate than we've had here before. So you got to be really, really sensitive to it. I, I totally am with you where you, you, if you see him knock down shots, if you see him go back to attempting 20 shots a game in, in that kind of regard and, you know, three for 10 from three last game out, these are fine numbers, but you still need to have him pay off 8,200 and, you have Marcus Smart further down the board that I think is going to be a necessary play just to, to save some money to get up to the likes of Lake Aluka and, and the likes of Giannis. So Drew Holiday, as much as I loved him on the last slate, I'm pretty much going to be holding hands with the field more than likely in this spot. Okay. Yeah. And for what it's worth, holding the hands with the field is still like 35%, right? True. I like guess yeah. still, I see what you're saying now. You're not going to be Can't super prioritize. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, I had like 70 something percent of him last slate. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I just I, I wanted to clarify because in, in yeah. case people are like, oh, he doesn't like him at all. Today. You're saying you like them a lot more last slate. Exactly. Yeah. It, 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 we just we had a 7900 Drew Holiday where every single thing that you said was true. But we also had Tyus Jones and, and Stephen Adams, which on DraftKings sure. have just been auto plays. And so uh, ripped to those days. Those were good days. Those were good days. Those were great days. Mm -hmm. But now you're getting somebody like Bobby Portis. This is a good segue into this. Uh, who's played 28 and 29 minutes over his last two games and is just a monster on the boards. If you leave him out there, he's the highest projected owned player on this slate at 5k. And I'm not saying that his price is, is bad. What I'm saying is it speaks to what you were talking about with the, the overall lack of quality value here. And really, if you're looking at value on this slate, unfortunately it's, it's a lot of bucks guys, whether, and I'm not saying it's good value. I'm saying it's the, mm -hmm. the, the only, a lot of only relevant value or, or semi viable is guys like, you know, Pat Connaughton, Bobby Portis and, and Grayson Allen. Yeah. It's, it's brutal. Um, this is, this is kind of unfair to think about how much of a difference it is for the bucks with and without Middleton, like it, just in the larger context of the series, it sucks we didn't get a full full blown iteration of this Bucks team because you're seeing Wesley Matthews play as many minutes as he can possibly be on the floor to guard Jason Tatum, like that's a that's a brutal type situation for the Bucks as opposed to having Chris Middleton on the floor constantly for that. Pat Connaughton played 33 minutes last game. You get 29 for Bobby Portis in, in relief duty, and I, I'm with you where I think you know it's pretty surprising to see. 5K Bobby Portis jump up to the top of the board, but it does make sense. You're just in such dire straits to find any type of value. Grayson Allen is going to project out terribly, but we've seen multiple times back to the Bulls series where if he can just flip the switch and knock down some shots, I mean, he was 0 for 4 from 3 again here. Coming off of a Chicago series where obviously easier looks are going to be found as opposed to the Celtics defense uh, around the perimeter there, but Grayson Allen's one good shooting day away from being viable at 3,700. It's just hard to know. If at 39%, you really want to be taking that dive. I know I don't. 
Um, I'm more inclined to play some Bobby Portis in my life, but yeah, it's a, it's a pretty forced situation where you just have to be playing some of these bucks and figuring out paths to, to get up to the likes of Giannis and Luca. I really like George Hill because in four games this series, he has nine personal fouls and five, <laughs> and five, hold on, hold on. He has nine <laughs> personal fouls and five points. Yep. You, you tried ratio. to get through it. You tried to get through it. Yeah. Uh, well, you laughed. I would have got through it. You <laughs> it was hilarious. I mean, 18 and a half. Yeah. 18 and a half minutes from George Hill. I <laughs> No, look at the other games too. Look at all. I, know. Like, <laughs> I, I It's so bad. It's tr- it's terrible. And then the one game you're like, why aren't they playing Javon Carter more? I, I I don't know. Javon Carter didn't play last game. Uh, he played one minute. Well, at it was the very yeah, end. but they and it was blowout. Yeah, like he wasn't oh, yeah, exactly. in the rotation. Yeah. I George Hill. Ooh, sorry, I called yeah. you dude. But you know the funny thing. You <laughs> Good know job, the sport. The, yeah, yeah. No worries, sport. The funny thing is, I'm not even calling you dude. It's just so. Like it's just so ingrained into my vernacular that that's, you know, say, oh, dude, that was a, a crazy game. It's not even me saying it to you. It's just me saying it. Right. Right. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. If you're saying my dude, like you do, you're specifically referring to the person you're talking about. Yeah. And I think that's a lovely way to do it. My dude, <laughs> Ryan, my dude, Ryan doesn't Ryan sure as shit does not. That is what we learned. We uh, learned that Ryan. Come on, man. S- settle down, my dude. No. Anything else? I'm joking. We love Ryan. And thanks for covering me on the Friday night show, brother. What about you. brother? What about bro- brother? Brother's fine. Brother's fine. I, I think got that's two of like them. one of the most endearing things you could say, you know? Yeah. Now, Band hey, brother. That's yeah. a little, it, brother can be. Brother. <laughs> if you when, say it like we're going to WWE SmackDown less. So. Okay. Tell me then. Tell me that if you say, if I was like, hey, what's up, brother? Like that. That's mm-hmm. fine. Tell me, though, anytime you read somebody saying brother on Twitter or something that you don't read it like that. I do kind Every of. Time. I'm kind of realizing that maybe I do. Right. If someone I, uses brother yeah. on like social media, you never just read it as brother. You always read it as like, Hey, thanks, brother. And then it just sounds weird. It's just weird. Just weird. weird. Yeah, kickstart. That's what we've been talking about. The realest moment ever on the slate starter when Rimpack told Eric he hated being called my dude. <laughs> Wait, like, was it my he dude says or my, my guy. guy? No, my guy. No, it was my dude. I called I don't him my like dude. My guy. That. Yeah, that's creepy. I never said my guy. My dude is what it has always been. And oh boy, shot down. Yeah, there's a, a a one bite. You know, you know, Dave Portnoy does the pizza reviews. Yeah, he did one in Philly, and it got. I, he gave it a phenomenal review, and this unbelievably annoying character came up, and he's like, "My guy, my guy, yeah, my guy." And at, like, I've never liked it, but ever <laughs> since that, I've hated it even more. And one time, I was I was drunk, and I caught myself saying it, and we were on a boat, and I wanted to jump off the boat. It's a come to Jesus an moment tied in your life. To my leg. What? Yeah, it's a come to Jesus moment in your life. Yeah, it was, I've, it, I've gone too far. I've gone too irresponsible. Yeah, Eric, I sobered up very quickly. <laughs> Anybody else from Milwaukee? Yeah, I segue. I, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Rest of the Milwaukee guys. I, I think it really depends on site. I mean, Drew Holiday's 9K on FanDuel. Best of luck to everybody getting up there, even though, as I said, stocks, you get five of those, has a lot of utility. Uh, for FanDuel purposes, but you're definitely having to pay for it. I think, and and we just got done besmirching the good name of George Hill, but 
That I guy's playing with an anchor attached to his leg as well. <laughs> I think I have to have shares of him at 3K. So yeah. there aren't many guys. I'm going to make sure I zero out my salary in that kind of a regard, but there are not many paths to get up to the raw points of Luca and Giannis in the same lineup. I think Wesley Matthews is going to end up being a little bit more popular. We've got him currently at 24%, and there aren't many guys down here underneath 3,500 that are remotely viable. And, you know, we've seen him play 37 minutes in, in game five, which was successful there. It got blown out there, maybe missed a couple of minutes towards the end, but was going to play right around 30 minutes there again, Wes Matthews. But for one fourth of the ownership, if I can play a 3K George Hill and he can get me 10, like legitimately 10, I think there's paths to that working out on this kind of a slate just because of the raw points upside of those two guys, specifically in Giannis and Luca. So if you're trying to just land on, on somebody on the bottom end in order to be able to jam them, George Hill is going to see the floor. George Hill, anybody at the guard position can run into some stocks and just simply have a steal or two just show up in the box score. And, you know, if he knocks down one shot, one three in, in some kind of a regard, you know, 18 minutes of George Hill actually has some utility, which I didn't really expect to be saying coming into today. It does. He could, he, he's going to need to fall into those points, but yeah, it's, it's doable. You're not going to feel good about it, but. Oh no, it's, it's literally just, if you're building a large allotment of lineups, like one out of 20, if you're doing like a 20 max, I think has some, has some utility, but if you're building 150, I think you're going to get to shares of just about everybody who's going to play more than 12 minutes uh, that you're projecting out in that kind of regard. And I think George Hill at 7%, I, I would be comfortable playing around 10% of him simply because of the ability to get up to every single stud that I want. Yo, underdog, guess what? $10 million <sighs> fantasy. Yeah. Fantasy best ball contest tournament. Sorry. Is uh, it's now there grand prize of 1 million go in the first place. I thought, why, why do I feel like that's wrong? I thought it was more than 1 mil to first place. Is it 1 million? I think it's 2 million to first. It's two, yeah, right? it's two, two, one. And then what I think is the coolest part of the contest, a million dollars to the season long winner. That so is great. If you have the team and you have the nuts. You don't get clobbered by a first, by a one week sample size deal in the playoffs, which you know, take it for what it is. I mean, you're going to have one team win that million. It's not like there's going to be some ridiculous payout structure for the rest of the group. But I got to tell you, knowing that if I build the best team and I have the best results, I'm not going to walk away with zero. In fact, I'm going to walk away with a million. That is incredible. So you're well right. done by them. It's a it's a great approach to this. There's no question. Uh, yeah. And especially late stuff to late in the season can happen too. There's just a lot of weird stuff once you get into those later weeks. So I love that idea. It's going to be awesome. I love their bet. I truly love their best ball product. I really do. Uh, we did so much of it on our best, on our fantasy football channel last year, subscribe to that too. And the, uh, our best ball channel. If you haven't done so, we do the, the mock draft Mondays every Monday afternoon and, and a lot of great stuff. If you're trying to get into that, but, yeah, two million the first, like Eric said, a million the second, and then a million to the to the regular season winner, which is awesome. Only twenty five dollars to enter, uh, but but also it's not. This isn't in the read, but they also have awesome basketball contests too. Like they've had some great basketball contests, and we've had a lot of people tweeting us, you know, tweeting our awesome Hall of Fame account with with big wins. One guy's won like fifteen hundred plus four times in the last month since we started doing these promos. 
so yeah, get over there, check out their player prop contest, familiarize yourself with the site, but whatever you do, use the promo code awesome. A W E S E M O because when you sign up, you know, they will match your deposit bonus up to a hundred dollars. And then you can use that to, to enter whatever contest you want. So link in the description or Mike can throw that into chat as well and get you on your way. Use the promo code awesome. Uh, huge contest, biggest best ball fantasy uh, football, best ball contest ever. And also some other great stuff leading up to the NFL season and, and through the basketball season, underdogfantasy.com or download the app. All right. Talk to me about Boston, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Al Horford. I want to start with the three highest price guys. Where do we go with these guys on a two-gamer? You're starting with Jalen Brown again. I, I, Jason Tatum played phenomenal last game. You needed him. And for most of this series, I've been playing a ton of Jason Tatum. And then last game, of course, I jump off the wagon. I only had like 12% or something Jason Tatum. Complete must-have in that scenario. And I got to imagine in the garden, he's still going to be a guy there in, in, in Boston that is going to take a ton of shots, have the usage. He's the stud, no doubt about it. But I have to compare him to Luca and Giannis on this slate, which we haven't had for Jason Tatum. It's always been, well, can I play him alongside Giannis and jam Memphis value? Yes, you've had that opportunity. But I think Jalen Brown at 8,300 is going to be the guy who fits into lineups so much easier on this kind of a slate. Now, Tatum, if he beats one of Luca or Giannis straight up, I'm probably going to be in a lot of trouble. But I think that we're just going to see a lot more ownership going his direction as opposed to, uh, you know, Jalen Brown at 30% as opposed to Tatum at 21%. I'm still going to prefer the Jalen Brown side. He's He's got every opportunity. He's going to play just as many minutes again. 41 we saw. He'll play upwards of 43 alongside Jason Tatum, barring foul trouble. So, it really that that seventeen hundred dollars. I can't emphasize enough how important it is to save it on this kind of a slate. So by default, I'll take the guy who's still a one point one six fantasy point per minute player throughout the entire season up against Tatum at one point three, knowing they're both going to play forty plus minutes. I hear you. Yeah, this Adam and I talked about that at length the other day. Was it Friday? Yeah, Friday morning. Just I, Jason Tatum, obviously a better fantasy point per minute guy than Brown, but you're getting a huge discount there, and we've seen Brown with 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 pretty high usage and he's also, you know, he's rebounded well in this series for the most part, he's done a lot of good stuff and he's scoring. So I, I hear you now, Al Horford, just, he's somebody to me that you, you look at it from a couple different, different angles. He's had a few really solid games in this series. Like if you consider where his salary was in these games in the first few, he was great, especially that mm -hmm. 22 and 16 game where he dropped 57 fantasy points. The last two games, very much underwhelming from a scoring standpoint, but I still can't get past the fact that he's played a ton of minutes and he lost a, a little over a minute last game to just coming off in that blowout would have played about 40 again. You're pretty much getting 40 minutes in competitive spots. Mind you, this is a game seven as well. Where do we go with Al Horford uh, at a center position that has continuously not been all that great? Uh, in this postseason, or is he at a price point above 7K, or, or you can talk about FanDuel as well, that keeps him from being a top option? I don't really have a strong stance on what you're supposed to do with Al Horford today because there's there's really two sides of the coin with him. We've seen the last two games, the usage has just been crippled by the fact that Tatum yeah. went out and was just annihilating. Uh, we see 38 minutes, 8.4% usage, 9.5% usage in game five in those 38 and 41 minutes you kind of need the shots. Like you need the volume at 1700 for Al Horford. 
And I don't know if we necessarily get it, but if you see some of those ceiling games he had, I mean, he got 41 in, in game two on the backs of just nine shot attempts, but otherwise 17 shot attempts, 14. It seems like Milwaukee's made some adjustments just to limit some of those wide open threes that he was knocking down. He still got four good looks at it last time out, 0 for 4 from three. So uh, that's going to be the tough thing is, is knowing that he's not the priority. He's, I wouldn't even call him with Derek White on the floor, like probably the third or fourth option for, for Al Horford when he's on the floor. I, I find it hard to believe that Marcus Smart in a game seven isn't going to feel like one of the best players on the floor as well. So Al Horford, I don't know what those shot attempts look like, but if you can get him to knock a couple of those down, if he can get up to those 15, 17 shot attempts, He's going to be fine, but I see more likely that I'm going to end up shorting him a little bit at the 7,200 number over on FanDuel. It's another thing where he's 7,600 and you don't get the bonus for threes. And I I just find it hard to believe that he's anybody I want to take some profound stance because I just don't know what those shot attempts are going to look like. Uh, It's really hard to know what Milwaukee wants to key in on this time around because, hey, if Al Horford's not shooting, but they're winning by 13, I don't think Boston really cares. So I'll have a little bit, but probably not to the field i agree with you and so i was really loving some of the props we were getting on horford early in this series because there was a trend that they were actually making an effort to get uh, udoka was clearly trying to get al horford the ball and involved and i i I was talking about this uh, after the third game i think it was that he was averaging essentially the same amount of touches per game as jason tatum which is crazy right They were both, they were 80 for Horford and 84 for, for Tatum through the first four games, the last couple games. And I know this stat's not all encompassing, but it does show you like, is he being, is he getting as involved as he was? He's down to 61 and Marcus smarts up to 86. You've seen a lot more Marcus smart uh, and obviously Tatum just doing you know everything in these spots, but whether it's Milwaukee making good adjustments or it's, you know, Boston making adjustments themselves and getting him less involved. It's not, it, it's not just that Horford's fantasy production isn't as good because of poor efficiency. No, he just is not nearly as involved. And that to me is concerning because his price is going up and not down. Yeah. Sharp. Anybody you're, you're else sharp. for uh, anybody else you want to hit on for Boston, you know, oh, yeah. Grant Williams. And do you think Robert Williams plays? Uh, I don't have any lean on Robert Williams whatsoever. I mean, we've seen him play when I didn't think he was going to play and sit when I didn't think he was going to sit. I thought he was going to play last game. That just It's like a true 50-50 for me. Uh, considering it's the first game, you shouldn't have any worries as long as it's not five minutes up until or like the Matisse-Thibel thing where we didn't find out that he was available until after lock. Good job, Sixers. Uh, see you guys later. Have a good have a good offseason uh, for your team. But I'm, I'm looking at Derek White as a guy that I just have to fade. I'm not playing Derek White at 5K on FanDuel at 16%. I refuse. I think there's just much better spots to go. I think Grant Williams, it's so interesting what's going on with him. Uh, he ends up getting in foul trouble right out of the gate here, but he's got such a big frame. He's really the only guy who can handle what Giannis is going to be trying to do to Boston every single time out. And we saw the two quick fouls where he had it then. Uh, we saw a little bit more Derek White. I don't think Derek White plays as much if you have Grant Williams just kind of keeping his hands to himself in the early going of it. Yeah, guarding Giannis, you're going to run into some issues in terms of foul trouble from time to time. But I think Grant Williams sees more than 30 minutes 
all other things being equal, no foul trouble this time around. And that just makes Derek White really, really unappealing coming off the bench there. 30 minutes feels like a little bit of an outlier for me at this point, just in, in terms of what I expect between him and Grant Williams. So I, I'm not going to be playing a lot of Grant Williams. He's not a great fantasy producer by any means. He's garnering 23% because he's an actual cheap 4,200 guy that I said is just going to play some minutes. But Derek White is going to be kind of my, my big strong against. Even at 4,600, he's garnering 21% ownership over on DK. I find it impossible to want to play him. The one guy I want to play in bulk is Marcus Smart, and it looks like the field does too. He's 6,300. He's going to play every single minute he possibly can handle in a Game 7 scenario. He always feels like when you're watching him, like he thinks he's the best player on the floor. And defensively, he's great, but you know, even amongst Tatum and, and Brown, he's still going to get his shots. So Marcus Smart, 6,300, I think the best piece of value, quote-unquote value, that we have on the slate. We saw it in Game 5. He... uh he had that baseline attempt to, to tie the game and Drew Holiday, well, maybe go ahead or tie. What, what, yeah, yeah they would have gone ahead by a point. Would have gone up by one. Yeah. Cause yeah. then, cause you had Bobby Portis get uh, put them up by one on the other end. Yeah. That somehow Boston couldn't get that, that defensive rebound when they had like three or four jerseys swarming Bobby Portis. And it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. But Holiday on those final two possessions was was remarkable, and and throwing incredible. the ball off of Smart to retain possession, like just doesn't see the best the two play, best two way guard in the NBA. True Holiday. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, it's not this series. It certainly hasn't been Chris Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Earlier in the season, you could have made an argument for it, but yeah, hopefully, it's not Chris Paul again today. Very nice for me. Let's talk about it, man. Dallas and Phoenix. We don't have any free tools today because it's Sunday, but uh, you guys always, if you want to check out our awesome plus packages, whether it's, you know, for basketball or baseball or any sport. I mean, I could run through them, but it's a Sunday morning and I won't waste your time. If they have contests out there, we have content for it. We have tools for everything, projections for everything, ownership, top stack, boom, bust tool, Top pitchers, you know, uh, which is a great tool. All of this, just all the simulation tools, like the top golfer tools, the top driver tools for NASCAR, the top fighter tool for, for UFC, esports con- content, you name it, over at awesome.com slash join if you want to get in. You can do a week, a month, a year. You can do one sport, every sport. doesn't matter. Uh, and then all of our tools, too, built by uh, Awesomeo himself. And just so many guys that work on them constantly, like Sean's on, who's won what? $100,000 four times in the past Stupid. month or something crazy. Uh, Steve Buzzard, who is you know, one of the best players out there, obviously Alex Baker himself. So uh, you know that these are good tools, uh, that they work. So awesome.com slash join. And join our Discord as well. Hop in our Discord. Great community and the Office Hours channel where you got those pros answering your questions and helping you better your game. Okay, Dallas at... I wanted, to, I wanted to add one more thing. Please, it's very important. Do. Robert Williams, Robert Williams. If he plays, play a ton of him because there aren't many opportunities on two game slates to get massive positive leverage. He's sub 5K. It's a closeout elimination game. And I think he'll play as many minutes as, you know, his body will allow him to. It's just going to be, it's going to be a very uncomfortable roster to a certain extent. But if you look at our boom bus tool, positive leverage, 22% positive leverage. He's coming in around 18%. I'm willing to embrace all the risk and all the land for a guy with a 40% optimal percentage. I think the range of outcomes is wide, 
but he's so, so cheap relative to what that price has been all season long. I'm assuming he doesn't play a full allotment of minutes, but uh, Robert Williams, unavoidable piece, uh, a guy that I'm going to have an absolute ton of if he plays. Yeah, perfect, perfectly fine getting 22 to 24, hopefully 24 minutes from a guy that's a plus one fantasy point per minute player. Yep. We talked about Luca, but is there anything else you want to hit on here before we get to the rest of these pieces of Dallas that never make life easy for us? <laughs> Luca's a monster. I mean, you, you got to get Luca in your life. There's no way at 26% on DK. When you're comparing him, because of because of the value that can exist at the point guard position, you talked about Drew Holiday, quote unquote value at 8,200. Marcus Smart for sure for me, mid 6K piece that's just unavoidable on this slate. It's more of a positional reason that you're going to be seeing people get to Giannis a little bit more at 38% as opposed to Luca. But if that's going to be the case, I want to get way more Luca than 26%. He just makes all the sense in the world. Game seven. Will play every, he could play every single minute today. Like if he played 48 minutes, Kevin Durant style, it would not surprise me. I, I said the same thing the other day for, for game six, but they, um, I don't know. I don't think he, I think he probably catches uh, a breather in the, he'll play the whole first. We've seen though, kid, give him consistently. And I, obviously it's game seven. I a hundred percent see where you're coming from. I think he takes a couple minutes to start the second quarter and then probably plays like almost every minute in the second half. They got to win this game. So yeah. do the Suns, though. It's and, just so it, weird to me that, like, I know he had the hamstring issue, and and so you're you're kind of protecting him to a certain extent. If you're if you're Dallas, you know, he didn't. He only played three games in that Utah series, but he played 34, 33, and 42 minutes in those. He played 44 minutes in Game One at Phoenix. Like for me, I think it's been a result of some early foul issues and it hasn't shown up necessarily in the box score because he's only had four, three, four, five personal fouls the last four. But I've, I'm very, very surprised he hasn't gotten upwards to 40 minutes. And I think a lot of it has maybe been knowing that if they, if I mean, they, they just ran Phoenix out of the gym last game. That and was got a blowout. ran out of the gym it the was game a, before that. Yeah. So I'm, I'm probably going to push back. I think he plays 42 plus barring foul trouble. Like there's just, there's no way that he played in a Utah elimination game. There's no way that he gets up to 42, 44 minutes in those, in those two games, back to back the Utah to Phoenix game one, and then somehow only plays 36 in, in this spot. For so sure. I, I think he's going he, more so than Giannis simply because Giannis, you know how many charges he can accumulate and he's going to be getting, just hacked everywhere. They usually bring him out in the first quarter. That's just something they've routinely done over the last two years. They bring him out for that little three minute stint. And then he closes out the first quarter. I think Luca plays more minutes than Giannis. So do I look the, some of these games have been just uncompetitive in the second half. And if you can, if you know, that's the case and you can get your, your guy that you need in game seven, uh, a few minutes of rest last game, not competitive in the uh, second half. Same with, they lost by 30 the game prior to that. They lost by 20 in game two. So yeah, he definitely saw his minutes curtailed in a lot of those. Definitely getting over 40 minutes tonight, barring a, a monster, even if it is a blowout. Like, it is your last chance. You, yeah. you can't pull these guys. So yeah, I, I love Luca a lot. With, with the rest of Dallas, I, I was on the unders for Dinwiddie last game and 
Nice. I, I, I'll I'll die on that hill. I don't care. Yeah, and, it was the right thing to do. Yeah, I've been hitting. I we were three for three on Dinwiddie unders up up until that point. Uh, check the betting video out over at Odd Shopper. It's a lot of fun. Best NBA bets each day. Actually, on the weekends, Aton covers it, but uh, I do Monday through Friday. I, dude, he's he played twenty minutes and he shot five for seven from three. What am I gonna do? But he still only played 20 minutes. So when you look at this rotation, and, and, and let's just go ahead and do that, and, and we'll try and block out the, the end of this, this blowout, you know you're getting big minutes from Brunson. Bullock still played 40 in a game that they won <laughs> by 27. You know, Finney Smith, was Finney Smith in foul trouble? Uh, let's see. I think he was. Yeah, he was. He was. So and, first and was rotation, no to- he had one foul. Then he picked up a second there the course of in the beginning of the second quarter, picked up a fourth. third with one second left in the half. Yeah. And then a fourth to start a couple few minutes into the, the third yep. quarter and then a fifth to start the fourth quarter. So I don't look at those minutes as anything outside of him being in insane foul trouble. Uh, the biggest question for me, and, and you can talk to me about Brunson and Bullock and Finney Smith, if there's anything that really stands out to you, but it, it, it does feel like the, the big question on a lot of these is what do we do with Maxi and Bertens and the bench? Yeah. So here's the way I look at what happened with Dinwiddie. He basically got the Davis Bertans minutes bump because he was the one knocking down shots. And sometimes you see Spencer Dinwiddie be pretty assertive. We saw him be pretty assertive in that game. He was hitting step back threes. He was doing a bunch of things that you don't generally see him go out and do. And, you know, he played 16, 19 minutes the, the two games previous. But what happened in those games is Davis Bertans was the guy knocking down shots. So he played 13 to 19 minutes. They're basically just bringing in somebody into that offense off the bench. And it's going to be pretty unpredictable. So you got to just kind of look at it in terms of what the ownership's going to be. Dinwiddie is getting 13.8% and Davis Bertans is down to 3% on DK. I'm more willing to rock with a 3,300 Davis Bertans than Spencer Dinwiddie at 4,500 at a position that has a lot of mid-range plays that I'm much more interested in, point guard, shooting guard, that is. So I think, as weird as it is to say, I like Davis Bertans simply because I know that if he sees the floor and knocks down shots, he might get his minutes extended. That can cut a little bit into Dinwiddie. But, you know, as far as the rest of the bench goes, I mean, if you're looking at a guy like Maxi Kleba there, I've been beating the drum for him just because uh, Powell, you could just see that he was going to be a guy that was getting very, very limited here in this series. He finally put together a good starting rotation and played 17 minutes out of the middle of nowhere, had some utility at his number there. But I think Cleve is just another guy as long as, you know, it's going to be a competitive game that is going to get to around 30 minutes. So I don't look at anything that happened with his minutes the last two as clearly indicative of what he would have. He'll play low 30s minutes in the event that this is a competitive basketball game. And even if it isn't, so 4,900 for him looks gross, feels gross. It is gross, but you're going to play some. Yeah. And two of the three wins that, that Dallas has Kleber's played 33 and 34 minutes. Yep. So, yeah. And he closed those games out would have closed last game out if it was competitive, which would have got him to what would have got him to probably around uh, close to 30, 28, 29 minutes again. Yeah. Yep. But this is beautiful, too, because people have been really reacting to the box scores more now than what I could possibly remember during the regular season. And you obviously only have two games for each one of these slates. The ownership gap is drastically different. You know, you have a Derek White who was almost like 50 percent last slate where 
You know, if you had eight games on the slate, they would be the difference of like, oh, he'll be a 25% piece of chalk and a 15% piece of chalk. Like the, the ownership gaps are just so much, so much wider. So when you see somebody like Bullock or, or Kleba that, that have really underperformed in the box score the last couple, but we kind of all, we know the reasons, I guess Bullock played awesome last game, but the two previous were kind of brutal. I mean, would you see something like Kleba where he's mid twenties minutes, people don't have any good vibes, so to speak, uh, for, for a guy like that. Those are the kind of guys you want to be double the field on. So yeah, 19% for Kleba, I'll definitely be over that. Anybody else you want to hit on? We, we know what the starting lineup looks like and, and how the rotation is going to work outside of, you know, give or take a couple minutes for Cle- uh, for Powell, maybe getting a few more. But like, as far as Brunson, Bullock, and Finney Smith go, barring foul trouble or anything crazy, we have a good idea of how this starting rotation looks. Yeah, it's interesting because I've been so against Dwight Powell as a piece of chalk for, feels like ever since the last game of the Utah series when Luca pointed to the bench, Jason Kidd, he just basically like get Powell out of here and he didn't see the floor again. Uh, it was basically Kleba, the, the guy that you wanted to be invested in. And now it feels like, all right, if Dwight Powell plays well in that first rotation, there's an opportunity for him to get a couple more minutes. He got up to 17. You have Aiton on the other side. Having a bigger body isn't the worst thing as long as he's being competent on the offensive end and at least converting some of those alley-oop shots from, from, from Luca, just setups from, from Luca. So Dwight Powell at 3,200 on other slates, I would be vehemently against even because we've had some value, but I think 3,200 for him around 9% seems to be appropriate, but I, I think there's some leverage to be had there. I probably get to less if Robert Williams does play just because I feel pretty confident in saying that him at 4,800 is, is my favorite center play to roster, but Bismack Biombo is going to garner some ownership and knowing that for $200 more, I can get, one guy that's one third of that ownership we're getting for Biombo in, in Powell and Powell could play about the same minute, 17 or so if he's playing well, I think this is the time to be rolling the dice on a play like that. I like it. I'd also like, uh, well, I love the fact that we have 700 concurrent people. Oh watching. This isn't even a live before lock show. So thank See you. what happens when I get on a show over Josh. I tell you, that's what it is, man. That's what we it is. Let him know. We should nobody wants that. Nobody wants that bum. You have moved the needle. Have. And, we are 15 likes away from 200. So we are doing big things this morning. Appreciate you. Been a fun show. Been fun having you on, Eric. So we'll have to fun run times. this back sometime. We will. Yeah, Powell's trash. I agree. Powell is absolutely trash, but he's 3,200. I, I don't know what we're supposed to do. If a guy sees the floor at 3,200, they're viable on this slate. Yeah. Look, you already advocated for George Hill, and, that, and now people have a problem with Dwight Powell. Like, oh, come on now, right? I'm just realizing this is now not, those are not two hills to die on. <laughs> I, I'll die on one hill because his name is right. George Hill, but. But yeah. I know, look, I get what you're saying. It's, it, if you actually add some context to it, you're saying, hey, with, with a guy that's minimum salary, is it possible that you get 10 or 12 out of him today? And that's actually enough. Yeah. It's also mm-hmm. possible that you get one, you know, it's like, you could get yeah. one fantasy point from him, and, and it also ends poorly. So, so look, at the, look at it this way. My favorite tournament play, if anybody checked into the NBA Live Before Lock on Friday, my favorite tournament play was Kevon Looney. I had 84% Kevon Looney. He was 6% owned. He was super, super cheap. He was going to get minutes, and then he ends up starting, and nobody pivoted there anyway because I, I, I don't know. But you have to always look at it in the context of what kind of value do we have on these slates? And then how 
Like it is so important that you get to Luca and Giannis playing 40 plus minutes. Like it's, it is the priority to get up to those two guys specifically on the slate. If one of them fails, so be it, but I'm going to be well North of what their ownership is just because you, you get all those raw points, you know, where the usage is, you know, who the guaranteed shot attempts are. Why not take shots on the guys like Dwight Powell who are sub 10% cheap starting, have a path to play well. And it's not the unknown of Adavis Bertans coming off the bench and having to have, you know, some kind of, like Dwight Powell will get an opportunity to play well, regardless. All right. So two things here, we got to get through Phoenix quick because oh, yeah. we got NASCAR live before a lot coming on. That's right. We do everything here on the YouTube channel. Subscribe. If you like this type of stuff, that's at 11 Eastern Jason Floyd, Chris Pennell. Then you have MLB live before lock for 1215 to 135. That's with our boy, Aton Shander and Terry McBride. Then Eric will be back with you 2.30 p.m. I sound like I'm doing like a news. news. And then Eric will be back with <laughs> you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 2.30 p.m. It's the NBA Live Before Lock show, plus a 30-minute post-sponsor show. Post-show sponsored by Odd Shopper. That's Emac and your friend Eric Linquist. Uh, that'll all be coming up. So let's rip through. Uh, <laughs> let's get through Phoenix. I'll hit on yeah. this. D Spearman uh, came less. Yeah, I saw that. D. I saw that on Twitter. Uh, still a nice win. Came less than one point from taking down a tournament in UFC last night. Uh, I will take down NBA GPP or showdown today. Been close. Appreciate you guys. Thanks for watching, man. All right. McGee didn't play last game, so maybe there's some value here, but it's going to be, uh, you're going to be hard pressed to find much you feel great about, but Biombo 29% ownership since we're up against it succinctly, but quickly. Talk us through Phoenix. And you'll be back today for Live Before Lock anyway, I will. so I don't feel bad. Yeah. All right. I, I, I'm up to the task. We can do this. Let's Devin do Booker is my priority from Phoenix. He's 8,600. I think we've just seen schematically. He's the guy who can actually get things done against Dallas. They have really put the clamps down on Chris Paul. And Chris Paul seems really affected by everything this series from, from I, I don't know how to really point to this in the data, but he just seems like a guy that is affected by everything going on. Referees. Uh, sideline guys for Dallas, the the kid that went after his mom and had that that scruff. It's just seems to me like Chris Paul is really relying on the cast around him. And maybe this is the game where we see him go 14 for 14 again. His price has come down drastically and he's going to be very, very popular. But I'm still going to ride with what I see from Devin Booker. There's nothing that's going to get me away from him at 9,300 over on FanDuel and on DraftKings at 8,600. As far as the rest of the team goes, DeAndre Ayton got a little bit of a price bump going up to him. He's 7,100 here. I think this is the time where if there's not going to be Robert Williams, I will be over the field on DeAndre Ayton just because I feel so much more confident going to him in the mid-range than I do going down to a chalky, chalky Bismack Biombo. I don't really see why he's getting considerably more ownership than a guy like Dwight Powell. I project them for the exact same amount of minutes. Biombo's the inferior uh, fantasy point per minute guy to, to Powell, not, not by much, but it's still a thing where I want to be getting to the under-owned pieces of value at the very, very bottom. This is by far the chalkiest piece that we have in Biombo, and it could always flip. The, I'd say there's a non-zero chance JaVale McGee plays in some capacity, and that's enough to mute him. I don't want to play McGee, but Biombo at 30% is just a little bit outrageous to me. Uh, as far as the ancillary pieces go, Mikhail Bridges, Jay Crowder, they're going to play tons of minutes. Jay Crowder has been playing some of the backup. They've, they've had some small ball lineups where he's been involved there. 
doesn't really have the 35, 36 minute upside uh, in, in these previous two games, but we've talked about the blowout concerns there. He will get back to that 36 minute type allotment if this game is competitive and if it stays close. Um, well, I mean, that's uh, that was a redundant statement, but Jay Crowder, Mikhail Bridges, both going to play tons of minutes. I think very viable Cameron Johnson, not my favorite piece considering he's getting 24% ownership there. The minutes have been down. He really relies on knocking down shots. We saw four for 10, five for eight in, in games four and five there for him. And then you get see him fall off the map. Like every other Suns player, uh, mid twenties minutes for Cameron Johnson. I'm probably going to go elsewhere. And Landry Shamit, he can fall into a couple lineups for you, but not enthusiastic. Who's your favorite option for Phoenix today? And who's your top? All right. Favorite option for Phoenix. Favorite overall play on the slate, not named Luca or Giannis, right? And then <laughs> your favorite punt. We've talked about Biombo. Now we've talked about George Hill. We've oh talked gosh. about Dwight Powell. Obviously, we're using the term favorite very loosely when we get down there. But some people only play one or two or three lineups and they can't just spray with those guys. All right. So favorite plays, obviously, Luca and Giannis. So uh, aside from them, favorite guy to get up for from the Phoenix side, Devin Booker, I think is still drastically underpriced at 8,600. I'm going to side with him more than I'm going to side with Chris Paul, just because it seems like he's the guy who's getting his shots and has the, all the opportunity. I think my favorite guy in terms of, uh, we didn't really talk a whole lot about him as well, not nearly as much. Jalen Brown is my favorite spend up. Uh, from that first game, if you're trying to get up to him alongside Giannis, alongside Luca, alongside those guys. So Devin Booker would probably fall into like my third favorite play on the slate, Jalen Brown, 3B. Um, they're, they're just going to be guys that I get to tons of. And as far as the value goes, sub 5K Maxi Kleba, I think people are really going to be sleeping on him in this spot. Maybe Reggie Bullock, 5,100 gets steamed up, but Kleba, I don't look at those minutes the last two games as clearly indicative of what he'll play in this game. Uh, low 30s minutes is what I expect, and I just think he's going really, really slept on. So sub 5K, he's my favorite play. Follow Eric at Eric Linkwist, me at Lafayette underscore D. Shout out to Mike for producing the show. And like I said, don't go anywhere. NASCAR Live Before Lock coming up next, followed by MLB Live Before Lock, NBA Live Before Lock. We got it all for you right here on the Awesome O YouTube channel. Hey, have a great rest of the weekend. We'll catch you back here tomorrow. Ah, hold on, Jeff, you're killing me. Oh. I love you, Jeff, <laughs> but you're killing me, bro. All right, is it too contrarian not to have any Luca, Giannis, or Tatum in my single entry high dollar line? Yeah, you, you, yes. I don't, I don't see why you would want to have none of those guys. You need one of them. You need one. And it, I will say, it is impossible for me to imagine a slate where Luca or Giannis doesn't end up optimal today. If I they don't, it's a game seven. They're going to play forty plus minutes in a game. Yeah, it's just yeah. All right, we got to go. We'll talk to you guys soon. Have a good one. Peace. Bye.